Hey, what an exciting, amazing time to be a part of this movement called Faith Promise Church. Now, as we start Hard for the Harvest, I hope you were here last week as Pastor Kyle and Andy and Caitlin did an amazing job. Was last week not unbelievable? Unbelievable. Hey, if you were here, I want to encourage you to get online and watch that. Um, I pray that it gave you a vision. I, gave you, I pray it gave you a vision of what's possible. I pray it gave you a vision of what God can and wants to do in your life. I, I have a loved one who uh, this year has been diagnosed with a hard spot on her brain. It's been causing seizures. But last, <coughs> sorry, last week, she sincerely believes that God healed her. And this, this is probably pretty abnormal, but we in our family, we are like expectant, excited to see the MRI so that we can see and celebrate what we believe God has done. Amen. So good. But hey, as I was praying for you this week and as I was just reflecting on what God did last week and what God wants to do this week, I really do believe that the enemy wants to rob the seed of faith that's been planted in your life. He wants to rob the seed of faith. Because here's what happens. When there's a seed of faith planted in obedient soil, what grows is the fruit of the Spirit. What grows is the fruit of a relationship with God. And that's not just to feed you. That's to feed the people's lives around you who don't know what that tastes like. And the devil is desperate. The devil is desperate that those seeds don't grow the fruit that God's called them to grow. And so I just feel led to pray, start off by praying for those seeds, that God would keep them safe and that we would be desperate to see them bear fruit. God, we come before you right now, and we just pray that those seeds of faith would flourish in our life. God, there's healings, there's ministry. God, there's all these things you've called us to do, and the devil wants to rob that. So I just pray that we would take it so seriously that we would be desperate. We would give ourselves unreservedly for who you've called us to be and what you've called us to do. God, we love you. God, we're so excited to see what you're going to do. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, welcome to Faith Promise Church. We're so excited that you're here. Whether you're live at a campus or you're online or you're watching this later, we love you and we're excited about what God's doing. Hey, if you're a guest, we are so grateful that you're here. Faith Promise at all of our campuses, we're glad that our guests are here. We're so glad. We love you. And can I just tell you, welcome home, and let us know if you're here so we can serve you and care for you. Hey, this is such an exciting time in the life of our church. Now, this may sound crazy. This, may, this, this is crazy. This is crazy. But I, 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 that, that's how I am, so it's okay. Heart for the Harvest really feels like it starts the holiday season for me, which I know that sounds weird. So I was actually, I was like, God, why does, this, why does Heart for the Harvest feel like it starts the holiday season in my life? And really the holidays are a time of expectation, right? For Thanksgiving, you expect to see family and you expect to eat until there's a problem, right? You expect to eat until like, you're like, I gotta go put some sweatpants on and I'll see you guys for, for second lunches and third lunches, right? And then for, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. Uh, for for um, th- uh, Christmas, there's an expectation of giving the per- perfect gift or receiving them. There's just this expectation. And I love Heart for the Harvest for that reason because it is a time where we beg God for the vision of his church and the vision, of our, and the vision for our life. And what, what I want to do is I, I, just to give you just a piece of this expectation and this joy I have for the season of Heart for the Harvest, I'd like to tell you about one of my first memories of Heart for the Harvest. 
It was back in 2010. I actually had a picture of what I looked like in 2010. Uh, you're welcome. Rachel, is a, that's my wife now. She's a lucky lady, okay? Uh, she knows it, but feel free to you know, remind her how grateful she should be, okay? Uh, but that's me in 2010. Uh, I was on staff. I was a janitor at our Pelsby campus. And uh, I wasn't a great janitor, but I was here, okay? I was a janitor. And I was called to ministry, and, and I, I, was, I was just desperate to be used by God. And it was a Saturday night. And we were having a healing service, much like we did last week. And I asked Pastor Josh, who's one of our executive pastors, I said, hey, could I pray with people uh, for healing at the end of the service? And he was like, well, hey, we have our elders slotted to do that, but, but if, if, we, if we need you, I'll let you know. I was like, okay, that's awesome. And so, uh, so uh, right before the service, he came to me and said, hey, one of our elders can't make it. I need you at this station. So I'm, I'm, I'm jazzed. I'm ready. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like the football player in the tunnel. Like, I'm so pumped. I'm so ready. And then during the service, I'm sitting in front of my station. I'm like, Lord, let's go. Let's do this. And then pastor's preaching. And as pastor's preaching, you know when you can feel the room? I can feel the expectation for healing in the room. And as that expectation's rising, so is my anxiety, right? Because he's using words like cancer. He's using words like, like lame people walk. And I'm like, what? I was thinking more like the cough. <laughs> I was thinking like sniffles, Lord, right? And so I'm free now. I've went from being full of faith. Now I'm, I'm stressing out, right? And so I'm up there. And then he says, all right, will our pastors and our elders come up front? I was like, well, I'm, I'm a janitor, so I don't have to go, right? So I was like, no. I said I would go. So I go up front. I'm sitting there, and I'm, and I'm, just, I'm just praying. I'm just like, Lord, don't, don't send anybody over here. Lord, send me the sniffles guy. Lord, send me somebody who's praying for their hair to come back. Something stupid. I'm like, God, 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 give it to me, Right? And like, I'm, I, I'm just, if you're looking for a prayer language, put yourself in a situation like, I'm like, oh, Lord, help me, please. And so I'm, I'm just, guys, I'm freaking out, okay? And so I look, and I'm like, I'm like looking down. So I'm like, maybe people think I'm spiritual. So I'm, I'm looking down, and then I peek up to see what's happening, right? And this guy starts lumbering out of his row. I know this guy. This guy's been praying for his knee to be healed for years. He's got crutches. He's about 6'5", just lumbering his way down. And I'm like, Lord, you wouldn't do that to me. <laughs> Not your favorite. You wouldn't do that to... Your good buddy Zachy, the janitor, and I see, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm like, I'm not gonna look at him, because people think I'm spiritual because I'm the pastor's son. It's just not true, right? And I'm like, Lord, you wouldn't do it. And I look up just in time. He locks eyes with the one eye. I'm looking up, like, oh God in heaven. <laughs> so he starts coming up. I know he's coming towards me. I can feel the crunch, kaboom, kaboom. And then I'm backing up, like I'm, I'm backing up. I can feel my rear end hit the stage. I'm like that's all the room I've got. Lord, if I'm, I'm, I'm now I'm praying, Lord, heal him on the way. You know, so he doesn't get to me. I'm healed. That's not what happened, right? My man gets up to me. He's a big dude. He's seriously, I'm, I'm not exactly he's six five. Used to be a, he used to uh, be a semi-professional gol uh, golfer. He comes up, puts his puts his crutches like this, and puts all his weight on my shoulder. And then he takes his crutches. Everybody in the room heard it. Takes his crutches. Quiet prayer time, right? I'm about to pee, and puts his and then does this with his crutches on the, on the stage behind me. And he says, I'm not walking back on these crutches. And you all feel like, oh yeah, it's spiritual. And I was like, well, how do you plan on getting back? <laughs> like, a, like a piggyback situation. I can hold your legs. We can wheelbarrow back. Like what's the 
What are we thinking? Right? Guys, I'm full-blown stressing. So he puts up behind me, has all his weight on my shoulders. I start going in. I start praying. You, you may know this, but there's a lot of names for the Lord in Scripture. I use all the ones I know, and then I made up some. Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shalom, God, King, Burger King, Jesus, help, help, help. And then I'll start praying Scripture. And, I, and I'm like, John 3.16, uh, uh, Jeremiah 29.11, Ephesians 2.10, Ephesians 3.20, John 3.16. And, and like my fourth time around John 3.16, I think he and I both knew I was out. <laughs> I may have made up some Scripture, Lord, forgive me. And then he can feel that I'm, I'm running out. And uh, I can feel him start to take the weight off my shoulders. And I'm like, this is it. This is when he collapses. And I never get to pray with anybody again. This is when I get sent to the Alaska campus and it's never to be heard from again. He takes his hands off, looks at me, says, I'm healed. We threw the crutches away that night. He walked back to his seat. He never needed crutches again. It's unbelievable. It's amazing. I, I tell you that to say that my faith um, my family, my, my sister and her daughter, my, my faith in those moments, my family, and really my future is a product of Heart for the Harvest. And if you've given to Heart for the Harvest, uh, can I say thank you as a dad, as a brother, as a, as a husband? Can I say thank you so much if you've given? Unbelievable. And hey, if this is your first time being a part of Heart for the Harvest, can I say congratulations? You're a part of something exciting. You're a part of a big vision. But I know this year there's new people to our church, and maybe you don't know what Heart for the Harvest is. And you can tell it's an offering, and, and you maybe you wondering, is, is it just tithing? Do we just tithe a little bit differently on that weekend? No, not really. See, what tithing is, is tithing is a biblical principle where we give back 10% Saying, knowing that God gave us everything. God gave us 100%, we give him back 10. We use that 10% to build his church and to, to really to try to evangelize the world, which is what faith promise is called to do. We also use that, that biblical principle of tithing to reinforce that we're not ruled by money. Money is a great servant, but it's a terrible master. Those are just a few reasons why we tithe. And hey, can I just tell you, if you have questions about tithing, whether you're new to church or, or, or maybe your, your faith is just now becoming your own, put on the communication card, you have questions about tithing. Your potential is our passion. Let us serve you. We'll call you. We'll walk you through it. We're not going to guilt you. We want to serve you. But see, Heart of the Harvest actually aligns with a different biblical principle. And this biblical principle, I love it because it actually follows big vision. Is anybody excited at any of our camps that God has given Faith Promise a big vision? I love that. I love that he's given Faith Promise a big vision. And that biblical principle is called free will offerings. And that's what Heart for the Harvest is. Heart for the Harvest is a free will offering. And actually the first example of a free will offering happens in Exodus 35 and 36. So I'm, we're going to talk about that a little bit. But remember, free will offerings follow big vision. 
Now, the big vision that was happening in Exodus 35 and 36 is God had just given Moses the Ten Commandments, right? The big ten, you've heard of those, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, put no other gods before me. God had just given those to Moses on Mount Sinai. But something else he called Moses to do was to build something called the tabernacle. Now, here's what's so special about the tabernacle. This was the first time that God would give his presence, his heavenly presence, a place to dwell on earth. That's a big deal. That Now, we live in a time where Jesus came and sent the Holy Spirit, so his presence is available to us, but this is new, right? So this is big. This is unheard of. So let me read you a couple pieces of that passage in Exodus 35 and 36, the first free will offering to build the big vision of the tabernacle. Now, in verses, in, in chapter 35 of Exodus, verse 5, Moses says, everyone who is willing free will offering, is to bring the Lord an offering of. And he walks through the things that they could bring to help build the tabernacle. A few verses later in verse 21, he says, everyone who is willing and whose heart has been moved then came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work, the work of building that. In this time, there's to be some people who your heart is moved and you are willing to do what God's called you to do. In the next uh, in the next chapter, in chapter 36, verse 3, it says this. This is where it gets really exciting. It says, and the people continue to bring their free will offerings morning after morning. So people are getting excited about the vision and what God wants to do. Here's the part I hope it expands your faith. I hope that your faith is set by what the word of God says and not by what the world tells you it should be. And so what happens is the workers, the skilled workers who are taking this offering to build the tabernacle, they say to Moses, and the people are bringing more than enough for the doing the work the Lord has commanded to be done. They're bringing more than enough. So then Moses gave an order that they sent out through the whole camp. No man or woman, nobody, is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. What's this next part? This is massive. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they had already had was more than enough to do all the work. God's people were restrained. These are God's people. These, these, are, these, are, these are people just like us that believed in God's vision. So here's my question. What about us? What do we do in response to God's vision? Do we believe in helping real people with real problems find God's real love? Do we believe in winning the world? Yes, I said the world to Jesus, starting with 1% of the state of Tennessee. Because if we do, if we believe that, then, then, then we have to respond. Now, this may be a new concept. I'm, I'm not sure for you, but you actually do not set the vision of faith promise. That's a job for pastor and, and some of us who, it, it's our job to press into the presence of the Lord and ask what his vision is for our church. But let me tell you what you do do is you set the speed of the vision. You set the speed of the vision. How quickly we see God's vision accomplished is largely based on the level of our obedience. Not only is that very powerful, but that also makes us responsible to act to what God's called us to. Faith Promise has a big vision of winning the world, 
the world to Jesus, starting with the 1% of the state of Tennessee. That's more than 66,000 people. That is our vision, what God has told us to do. That's why we do a free will offering every year, to seek, to pray, and to give towards this vision that God has called us to do. Now, there's another free will offering in the New Testament, after Jesus has come and set up his church. And the free will offering is something that God used with Paul and, and other early church leaders to, to spread the church. It's, it's what he used. But before we walk through that in 2 Corinthians, what I want to do is I want to tell you very specifically uh, what our free will offering will go to accomplish here at Faith Promise, this movement. But I, I'm biased. I'll admit that. But I sincerely believe there's not a better E-R-O-I than this rule of movement. You may have heard of ROI, return on investment. But I really do not believe there's a better E-R-O-I, eternal return on investment than this real love movement that God has called faith promise to be. The first thing that we're going to do whenever we give in our free will offering is missions. Around the world, we will join hands with wells of hope, sowing seeds to build wells across the Asian continent. I love that. We're called to continents and states. That's who God has called us to be, massive. And through the Hand of Hope Ministries, this is huge. Each seed planted, we're going we're gonna to build a well. And you know what they'll build around that well? They'll build a school, they'll build a church, they'll build a hospital. So there'll be Muslim families coming to that hospital, Muslim students, Hindu students going to those schools, and they'll be hearing about Jesus. They'll come for clean water, but they'll leave with the living water. Now that's happening around the world, but also around the corner right here. We're going to make sure that no foster kid, no foster child wakes up without a home. See, right now, if a, if a child goes into foster care, they may have to sleep at a DCS office on a floor. But we have partnered with Isaiah House to make sure that is not the case, that every child awaiting placement will have a home to go to at the most pivotal time in their life when they feel like they're not wanted. Amen? It's amazing. There'll be a home they can go to. Something else we're going to do. I love this. This is something else we're going to do is the Illumination Project. Maybe you know this, maybe you don't. There's 7,000 languages spoken on earth. 3,032 of those do not have the Bible. We're going to give $60,000 a year for 16 years to put at least one full Bible in the hands of a people group that doesn't currently have it. Uh, is, is that amazing? It's so good. I know whenever I was, when I was growing up, they were like, hey, Zach, I want you to read Proverbs, just one a day. Hey, Zach, I want you to start in the book of John. Imagine not having that. Imagine not having that. Trying to teach your kids about Jesus without the version Bible app, without a Bible in your hand. We're going to make sure that problem doesn't exist. Something else we're doing that I love is we're going we're gonna to reduce the debt at Faith Promise. Right, right now, if we were to pay the debt off at Faith Promise, that would be $1.2 million a year that would go straight into ministry. It's something that I just want to speak this into existence because there's, there's people who can do it. Whenever the debt is paid off at Faith Promise at all of our campuses, we have $11.4 million in debt. If that's paid off during Heart for the Harvest, there will be $3.75 million saved in interest that, again, we will send around the world and around the state to evangelize people to Jesus. 
Something else I love that we do is we're going we're gonna to keep on sending campuses out. We're going to keep on expanding campuses. Wherever you're at, wherever you're watching this from, somebody sacrifice so that you could be sitting in that seat, hearing about the vision, hearing about Jesus. And we're going to keep on doing that until Jesus comes back and says, well done, good and faithful servants. So this year at Heart for the Harvest, we're going to do something a little different, which I love. Is, and there's a Heart for the Harvest piece. I want you to take it home. I want you to pray over it. But we're not only going to give you the opportunity to give towards campus expansion, but we're going to give you a very specific opportunity to commit to pray specifically for upcoming campuses. We're going to give you opportunity to express interest, to learn more, to join a group. We're going to ask you to join launch teams if God leads you to that. I mean, just think about it. We really do feel called right now to go to Bearden. East Knoxville, South Knoxville, Oak Ridge, Johnson City, Kingsport, Chattanooga, Nashville, and Memphis just to start. Amen? That's who we're called to be. But you know what? Faith promises in the building. Faith promises the people. It's a real love movement. And so we want to send people and then let buildings follow. I love that we're doing that. But what we're going to do is we're going to be obedient. Every monetary gift is a seed planted. Every seed sown will reap a life, a changed life. Every seed sown will be one night in a safe home for a foster kid, a waiting placement. Every seed sown is one pump of clean water for people across the continent of Asia. Every seed sown is a brick and a wall at a new Faith Promise campus. Every seed sown is one real person with real problems who needs to find the real love of Jesus. It's amazing what God's called us to do. This is not an obligation. This is a celebration. I, I want to walk you through the free will offering that Paul talks about whenever he's growing the churches. Uh, whenever you read the New Testament and you read, you know, First Corinthians, Galatians, those are all churches that got planted through free will offerings. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I'm going to walk us through a couple of verses. In 2 Corinthians 8 verse 1, he says this, now friends, I want to report, so remember that word report, report on the surprising and generous ways in which God is working in the churches in the in Macedonia region. Fierce troubles came down on the people in those churches, pushing them to their very limit. Now, he said, I want to report on, and I could, we could spend hours telling stories, but can I just tell you one? At our Bristol campus, can we celebrate Bristol, our newest campus, our regional campus? We're so proud of you. Amazing. But at Bristol, we did two things. We did soft launches where, like, we practiced services so that we're ready for people to come. And so we were doing that, and there was actually a grandmother who's raising her grandchildren who messages us on Facebook and says, hey, I'm raising my grandkids. I was wondering, what, what does the kids' ministry look like? And Pastor Nikki, who's our kids' pastor, messages her back within 30 minutes and says, hey, here's what we offer. We'd love to have you. And so she says, anybody who's going to respond to me that way, I want to be there. And so she comes to a soft launch. We're not even really asking people to come yet. She comes to our second soft launch. She finds a family. Family in faith promise. Her grandkids are loved on, and she gave her life to Christ that weekend and baptized the next weekend. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, and for, for you, if you know, somebody giving their life to Christ at that stage in life is rare. And so God is doing amazing things, but also it says in that verse that there are fierce troubles. I think that some of us are facing some fierce troubles right now. Fierce troubles in our nation of, of, of divorce and of, of, of desperation and of division. 
And, and I believe that how we respond is so important. So how will you respond individually? Will you respond with just enough faith to stand up? That's all, the only faith I had in that heart for the harvest in 2010 was to stand. Will you have that faith? Hey, how will we respond as a church? Do we believe that the local church is God's hope for the world? Do we believe that, do we believe, if we believe that it's the hope of the world, do we pray, believe, and act, and give like we believe the local church the hope of the world? Because Paul did. This church in Macedonia did. He keeps on going in, in, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He says, the trial exposed their true colors. That's important, true colors. And they were incredibly happy, though they were desperately poor, right? Because they were living in God's economy and not the world's economy. The pressure triggered something totally unexpected, an outpouring of pure and generous gifts. It was crazy. Paul said, I was there. I saw it for myself. They gave offerings of whatever they could, far more than they could really afford. I love this. Pleading for the privilege of helping out in relief of poor Christians. I love that. I really do believe that times of crisis and uncertainty, that's when true colors are shown. Whenever somebody argues with you or disagrees with you, that's where our true colors are shown. What will our true colors be as a church? I am desperate, and I mean desperate when I pray for you every day, that our response, our true colors as a church would be what they said, pleading for the privilege of helping out Christians. And not just people who are Christians now, but people who will become Christians as this vision goes we have a responsibility relationally and we have a responsibility financially. And can I tell you something? It's hard to hear. No response is a response. No action is an action. We spend time in prayer for relationships and we believe God to move. But you know how God moves? Through you. Do you know how God moves? Through me. Is it crazy that he chose it that way? Yes but he did. So let's do our part. Let's live a life believing for miracles, right? He keeps on going in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5, and he says, this was totally spontaneous, entirely their own idea, and it caught us completely off guard. And listen, this is what explains it. What explains it was that they had given themselves unreservedly to God and to us. And when he says to us, he means the church, to God and the church. It was spontaneous. Hey, listen, I, we're not going to force you anything. We're not going to check your giving record and hold it over your head. Here's all I want to do. I want to ask you to ask God. It'll be on the screen if you want to take a picture to remind yourself. But here's what I want to ask you to do. Ask God, God, what do you want me to give to move this vision forward? God, what do you want me to do? Hey, listen, don't ask me. You won't be responsible to me one day. You won't be responsible to pastor one day. We'll be responsible to God for obedience one day. Right? And so, hey, but, but what, what happens, what we have to do is we have to give ourselves unreservedly to God and to the church. I promise you everything else that I'm stressing out about, and I am, and the things that you're stressing out about, and I know you are, it'll be okay. 
That's why Paul keeps on going and says the other giving simply flowed out of the purpose of God working in their life. And that's what prompted us, this is important, that's what prompted us to ask Titus to bring the relief offering to your attention so that what was begun well could finish up. This is so important. God has a purpose for your life. And it's so important what God has done in your life. We wanna send it to other places. Potentially, we want to send you. We want to send families. We want to send hope. We want to send campuses just like Paul sent Titus. That's why we sent Robbie and Cassie to Anderson campus. That's why we sent Pastor Mike and Candace to North. That's why we sent Pastor Daniel and Sarah to Farragut. That's why we sent Pastor Lisa and Matt to GBB at Bledsoe and, uh, and God Behind Bars everywhere it is. That's why we sent Stephen and Tabitha to Bristol, Tennessee. That's why we sent Andreas and Bree to Promesse FA in Knoxville. That's why we sent Pastor Eddie Aaron and Katya to Promesse FA in Conyers, Costa Rica. That's why we sent Pastor Jason and Lee to the Blunt Campus because we believe the hope of the world is salvation in Jesus Christ alone and we're going to send that everywhere that we can. Everywhere that we can. And we're responsible for it. Paul says you do so well in so many things and faith promise you do too. He said you trust God and you are. You're articulate. You are. You're insightful. You're passionate. You love us. Now do your best in this too. It's not about comparing what somebody else gives. It's not about an amount of money. It's about an amount of obedience. That's what it's about. That's what God's calling us to do. Money has always been a hurdle. That's why he said, you've done so well, but do well in this. In verses eight and nine, he says, I'm not trying to order you around, right? He's, but by bringing up the Macedonians' enthusiasm as a stimulus for your love, I'm hoping to bring the best out in you. Hey, at Faith Promise, I hope you don't leave and think that I'm a great preacher or that our worship's great. I hope you leave being willing to have the best come out in you. The be I don't wake up at night, seriously, I don't wake up at night thinking about bills. I don't wake up at night thinking about gifts for my kids. I wake up at night thinking about your potential. I wake up at night, that's what I pray for. That's what, that's what gives, it, it, it's, it, the enemy tries to turn up, that's what gives me anxiety, begging God, and that's what pastor is to begging God that your full potential, the best of you would come out, and we can't let dirty green paper hold that back. So, church, co-laborers, brothers, sisters, in desperation, what will the speed of this real love movement be? Parents, what will we model for our kids? Students, this is your church now. It's not about an amount of money. It's about an amount of obedience. Young adults, let's not point a finger or post a post. Let's participate in the healing our world needs. Marketplace leaders, what is it that God has called you to do to build his kingdom and not yours? What ideas, what things should we be doing that God has birthed in you? Promisers, all of us. What is God asking you to give, to do, to move this vision, this real love movement forward? Heart for the Harvest is out of celebration and not obligation. So as the campus pastors come up, Faith Promise, could we celebrate one more time for the opportunity to give and what God's called us to do?